Can I just say, we are pushing back when we're doing our top 10 episode so that you could do Look, a Fast and Furious marathon. <laughs> I just want to say, it's been a rough week. <laughs> and maybe I needed this, Lucas. And was it the wrong choice? Perhaps. Because last <laughs> night I went into a true panic about how many 2020 movies I have to watch before next week. And it is 20. And I might be yeah. watching five hours of movie a day trying to catch up. And I made a... I was just looking at your letterbox and being like, nope, no new movies, I just Fast and Furious. <laughs> mistake. And I know I acknowledge that, but I needed it. And so... Yeah. yeah. Okay. What can I say? Well, I, I, I hope you enjoy this next <laughs> I week. I know. <laughs> I know. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. Wanna hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing the much-anticipated film, Promising Young Woman. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what is your favorite revenge film? I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in Chicago, and I feel like there are a lot of really good revenge films. It turns out I, I really enjoy a revenge film. Um, I, I was looking at some of my favorites, and I was looking at like John Wick and Ocean's 13, um, but I think it all comes back to the original revenge film for me, one of the first ones I saw, which is The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, that, for me, is a quintessential revenge film. That is a very Lucas answer. Um, which I love. <laughs> I am Sandra Omstetz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I have a very um, Sandra answer, which is one of the first revenge films I probably ever saw, which is The First Wives Club. Ah, um, uh, yes. that That's up there for yeah, sure. About three women getting revenge on their first husbands um, who all left them. And yeah, it's it's fabulous. So that's exactly what my mind goes to when I think of revenge. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about revenge films later on in the episode. But before we do that, I want to know, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Um, this week I'm feeling something that I feel like is difficult to describe. It's a collection of movies directed by Steve McQueen, um, all on Amazon Prime Video, um, that is kind of formatted like a TV show. Um, so, so it looks like there are a bunch of episodes, but they're each individual movies um, all surrounding kind of real life experiences um, in the London West Indian community um, between like the late sixties and the early eighties. Um, so it's about kind of the time period that Steve McQueen grew up in um, and just about the community that he was involved in there. So it's, it's five distinct films. There is no connection between them other than kind of the time period um, and the, the setting and the people, you know, the kinds of people that are involved. So it's, I think it's really interesting. I think the, the West Indian community is, I think, really interesting to me, just uh, kind of migration, the Windrush generation come, of people coming from the Caribbean to London um, to kind of work on the National Health Service and the railroad, the railroads and everything like that um, around the 40s gave way to um, 
large communities of of people that the British were all of a sudden like, oh, actually, we just wanted you to do these one thing um, and then kind of either go back or just kind of stay in your spot um, and not really get involved in the rest of the British community. And so it it created a lot of tension in the 60s and the 80s, which is very different than the kinds of tension that was happening in the United States during that time. So I think um, the the kind of the relationship between, um, you know, black people in the United States and and uh, and American and white Americans, um, I, th- I think that's kind of the racial tension that we're used to. And so it's very different from kind of what was going on um, in Britain at the time. And so th- each, all five of these movies, I think are very distinct um, and very interesting. I have only seen the first three. Um, I'm excited to see the last two, but the, the ones I've seen so far have all been really phenomenal and I would highly encourage you um, to check it out. Yeah, I am very excited to check these out. I was hoping you had seen all five so that you could kind of give me a breakdown of, you know, um, maybe a ranking or a, a way to prioritize. Yeah. Um, which ones have you seen? I've seen the first three. Oh. So I've seen Mangrove, um, Lover's Rock, and Red, White, and Blue. Um, the ones I'm, the last two that I'm missing are Education and Alex Wheatley. Yeah, I'm definitely planning on watching at least some of those. Um, this week i they're right there on my list so i'm excited Good. yeah i've heard nothing but amazing things specifically about you know the, just the film critics i follow i feel like all year have been talking about lovers rock and um what like uh, an emotional moment in film that piece is um so that's something that i've had on my radar and yeah steve mcqueen if he's if he's putting something out, you're gonna check it out. And especially, I think it is very exciting for someone to say like these are films, but it is a set of films around like a common mm-hmm. theme. And that's something I wish more directors had like the freedom to play around yeah. with. You know, yeah. and I think it's just so impressive too because it's so much work. Yeah. Also, like, absolutely. Like he came out with five films this right. year. Um, it's it's really impressive and the actors that he gets in them are great i think you the, if if you watch a lot of british television there's a lot of people that you'll see pop up um but then there are also some you know some genuine movie stars like john boyega and um Letitia wright and things like that which is it's fun to see um i think one of the things that i think really excites me is that because each of these are different you can kind of get different moods out of them so like um the first one mangrove is a is a court film. It's about an, a you know very important court case, um, and so it's very plot heavy about these are all the things that happened. Um, and then the second one, like you said, Lovers Rock, that's more of just like a mood piece. It's about a house party, and so it's about just all of these people coming together um, for this party, and it kind of goes from the setup of the party to the very end of the party. And it's just there's not really a plot involved. It's just getting to see all of these people interact with each other, and um, and it's really beautiful in that way. And so I, I think the kind of the care that he put into a lot of this work is is really exciting to see and i'm i'm really i'm really pumped to finish them yeah well i'm excited to check them out as well thank you for bringing that to all of our attention yeah definitely um, what are you feeling this week well this week i'm feeling an app on my phone it is called paprika three and it is a recipe organization app so um for those who don't know i do a lot of cooking i'm really big into baking and dinners for my friends and um my recipe organization system before this app was truly a mess i you know i had (laughs) a google drive folder full of 
some of my favorite recipes that I had typed out as Google Docs. Then I had a bunch of bookmarks saved on Safari on my phone of recipes from like blogs. And then I also had a folder in my notes app of links and copy and pasted recipes um, just in notes on my phone. So it was like, yeah, yeah. It, it was sounds like, like three a different places <laughs> to find different recipes. And um, not to mention like all of my cookbooks and um, yeah, it was, it was a complete mess. And recently um, I, I am subscribed to David Chen's newsletter, David Chen of the Slash Film Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a newsletter I'm subscribed to and he was making a bunch of recommendations and he recommended this app and I needed something like this. So I immediately checked it out. It was $5. It's very well worth it. What makes Paprika so great is, first of all, it's very easy to import recipes from, like, blogs or, like, online. Um, When you import a recipe into Paprika, it immediately seeks out the recipe and, like, like removes all of the extra stuff. So if there's, like, a long blog post leading up to the recipe, you know... um, like every recipe yeah, on every website. Exactly. <laughs> Which um, I maintain, like, I don't complain about that because that's people providing me something, content for free, you know? Mm-hmm. They let them write whatever they want. Um, but, you know, we all know that it is a hassle to try to find, when you're in a hurry, try to find the recipe, you know, scrolling past a lot of text. So this imports yeah. that recipe, removes all that extra text, and it breaks down... Um, Things into ingredients and directions, like any good recipe does, but um, it just does it so cleanly. And um, it's also really good at once it imports all of your ingredients, there's a scale button so that if you want to make a double batch, you can immediately just press that and all of your ingredients will, it'll do the math for you. Um, you could do a one and a half times batch and it'll do the math for you or, or a half batch, whatever you know you need to. That's super helpful for me because so often I need to make like way more than the recipe actually calls for <laughs> if I'm making it for like a lot of people. Um, another thing that I really love about this app is that it stay when you're using the app, the app makes your phone screen stay on the entire time that you're using it. Um, Because if you're cooking in the kitchen and you're using a phone or an iPad and the screen keeps going dark and your hands are full of sauce, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a mess to try to keep referring back to the recipe and like the, the app maker is completely thought of that. There are a host of like other features that make this, really really usable and I just like the moment I found it it was such a game changer for me I imported like 60 recipes into it one night and now um whenever I have a cookbook that I have like a particular favorite recipe from I'm typing it into the app every recipe that um I've saved anywhere it's going into the app I'm using it religiously it is really great for it has a whole meal planning function and shopping list function that I'm using and I'm, I'm obsessed. So I'm like evangelical about this app. If you do a lot of cooking or if you do a lot of meal planning or want to be better at meal planning, 
this app could really help you out. So, yeah. It's called Paprika 3. Yes. I had Paprika 2. I haven't... I haven't upgraded and bought Paprika th- Three yet, um, but it's it's absolutely fantastic. I really love it yeah. a lot. Yeah, for me as someone who cooks a lot, it's really helpful. But I think it would also be really great for someone who's trying to get into cooking and like they need a place to like source everything. Um, I, Definitely, yeah, highly highly recommend. Um, Okay, let's move on to our next segment, which is called In or Out. We watch some movie trailers, and we quickly decide whether we are in or out on those trailers. What's it gonna be? Consider carefully. Are you in First up, we have, from the Russo brothers, a film starring Tom Holland called Sherry. This trailer came out this week. It releases February 26, 2021. Um, And Tom Holland plays an army medic suffering from um, PTSD and he becomes a serial bank robber and afterwards. Lucas, what did you think of the trailer for Cherry? Ugh, uh, not great. I... (laughs) I do love Tom Holland. I am not really interested in this kind of story. Um, if it were more of a heisty movie, I would, might be more interested, but this seems very much just like a, I don't know. He went to the army and then got on drugs and then started robbing banks and then gets caught by the police and possibly killed. I don't know how the story ends, but I'm just kind of speculating. Uh, I, it's just not something that I'm interested in. Um, one thing I am interested in is that it has um, Jack Rayner in it. You love um, him. Who I absolutely love. You love um, him. Big fan. <laughs> it's true. Um, but other than that, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think that the, the Russo brothers are really good at directing action. I think, obviously, their work on you know the, all the Marvel movies, but also um, their their work in the past on the like, community and stuff like that. I feel like they're really good directors. Um, but to me, I feel like where this could fall apart is just the story itself. Yeah, so. I had heard about this film and had high hopes because of the Russo brothers and Mm -hmm. then saw this trailer and was like, Ooh, this, I, my, all of my spidey senses are going off that this is not (laughs) going to be good. I mean, obviously it's releasing in February and that's usually not a great sign. Um, and although in a year like now that we've had, I don't know that we can, the normal like release calendar that we used to have for like, um, things yeah. maybe not doesn't apply anymore um but yeah this trailer just doesn't look like they have a winner on their hands i think it's a little all over the place um i think there are moments where the trailer really had me engaged and it the script seems snappy and you can and you can sense the russo brothers like really their style that is was exciting mm-hmm. but you can also just sense that underneath it all there isn't a cohesive film there um (laughs) and that's such a shame because it might be confirming um what we talked about earlier when we watched the trailer for chaos walking like is tom holland perhaps cursed is he maybe only good as spider-man like (laughs) i didn't want to believe it then but i'm starting to have my doubts we'll see yeah 
Um, the next trailer that we watched is for a movie called I Care A Lot. It's a next Netflix film releasing on February 19th um, starring Rosamund Pike. And it is about a crooked legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly wards and meets her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears. Um, what did you think of this trailer for I Care A Lot? Uh, this looks fun. Diane Weist is back. Yes. Um, we get her again, who I absolutely love. I'm excited to see her go head-to-head with Rosamund Pike. I think I think that's going to be fun. I am excited about this movie. This movie could be terrible, absolutely terrible, but um, I'm, I'm going to watch it. So I think the trailer does look good and fun and pulpy, and it looks like they're trying to also – uh, piggyback on some of that Rosamund Pike charisma from Gone Girl. Yeah, I am very into Rosamund Pike, like embodying terror. Like, yeah. <laughs> sign me up, truly. Um, I think this looks snappy and fun and um, wicked and so many things. And yeah, it, it looks like a movie that it could either be really fantastic um, or it could just be like, a really fun time with Netflix and both I am on board for, you know what I mean? Um, yes, a hundred percent. My expectations are like medium in a good way. Like they're not too high, but they're high enough that I think it looks like a fun time. And yeah, I'm, you know, I think cons and are, are fun to watch and this is, like, a really nasty con, obviously, that she seems to have, like, developed. And it's hard to tell from the trailer if this is, like, a con. I mean, it kind of is. Or if it's, like, a legal setup that she has that's just dastardly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And either way, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, I'm trying to see who this is directed by. It's Jay Blakeson, who I'm unfamiliar with. He directed uh, Gunpowder, the Guy Fox uh, like huh. HBO movie starring Kit Harington. Never heard of it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fine. Like he hasn't directed, I don't think, anything that I've been like super excited about um, in the past. But yeah, you know this the tone of this trailer almost. I mean, not quite, but like or maybe the subject matter. I should say felt very Adam McKay to me. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, that's compelling. Um, yeah, I can't wait to watch this. I'm excited that it's coming out soon on Netflix. Um, alrighty then. I am very ready to move on to our main topic. Are you? Let's do it. Okay. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about Lucas and I have been anticipating Promising Young Woman, what feels like for a long, long time now. Um, when was this movie originally supposed to come out? It was out? supposed to come out, I want to say, in like April or May of 2020. Yeah. Um, And I'm trying to remember when the trailer came out, but it must have been like January, maybe, of 2020. At, like, the, at the latest. Yeah. Or, or yeah. maybe, yeah, I, the trailer probably came out around, like, December, because I know that people saw it, I'm pretty sure that people saw it at Sundance, which was in, like, mm-hmm. February, I believe, January or February. Um, so I think the trailer came out around December, and when the trailer for Promising Young Woman came out, I remember thinking, like, um, 
this is like a movie perfectly catered for me. Like, and <laughs> you, I know we talked about the trailer here on this episode. I, I think you found the trailer really snazzy. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so when the pandemic started, this was one of those films that I really try to keep my eye on. Like how far are we pushing it back? Is it coming out? Um, could not wait to see this movie. For those of you who haven't heard of it, it is a um, directorial debut, I believe, um, from Emerald Fennel, and it is a sort of a revenge film of a woman who um, her friend was sexually assaulted when they were younger, and now as revenge, she kind of pretends to be very drunk in bars and lets men take her home and um just as they're about to um assault her she you know calls them out on their behavior or or does something like we we don't you know the trailer kind of makes it um a little unclear about just how sinister of a character she is and um yeah, it, it's a fat. I think it's one of the best trailers I've ever seen, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> has a great um, Britney Spears toxic cover playing in the background. So all that to say, I was so excited for this movie. And you and I'm assuming you felt the same. A hundred percent. I think this is definitely the the directorial debut of Emer- Emerald Fennell, but she is also a writer and showrunner of Killing Eve. Um, and she has a long acting career, but has most recently she's been playing Camilla on the crown. Um, so I think she's someone who I've known about for a long time and was, it was very exciting to see her get this opportunity to, uh, actually direct something that she's written, which is fun. Yeah. Um, so I also want to say that I remember when this trailer came out thinking like this trailer looks amazing, but the subject matter of like rape is, tricky you know what i mean like and tonally this trailer seems like bouncy and fun and and um pulpy and i am pretty critical of the way like rape and sexual assault is handled in film and so it's one of those things where it's like this looks amazing but has so much potential to be done so badly you know um yeah so I think also as we, as we talk about this, obviously kind of want to put a content warning yes. that because this movie does kind of revolve around that kind of material, um, could 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 be triggering. Absolutely. So just letting everybody know that that's what this movie is about. So we will be talking kind of in depth about what that you know is, looks like in this movie. So just be aware. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's definitely something we should say. Um, yeah. And so I know that I went into this hopeful, but like you know unsure of how i was going to respond to this um i want to know lucas what did you think of promising a woman i also get super nervous anytime you know any kind of <laughs> specifically sexual assault is you know portrayed or or used in a movie and so kind of like you said like the the way this kind of was pulpy and fun um did make me nervous um but i do think it was handled really really well i think if we're getting into kind of how we feel about this movie <laughs> um i think i think one of the things that it does is it takes a very serious tone about it um but kind of puts her character in uh in a in a lighter fun, more fun world i guess that she's kind of surrounded herself with while kind of the inside her inner torment is um 
is really harsh. So I think I think tonally it it handles it extremely well. Um, obviously, we can talk about the plot stuff, but um, I think overall, I think coming about like probably ten to fifteen minutes into this movie, I was like, I have no qualms with how like I'm no longer worried about how they're gonna talk or show up any of this yeah. stuff. So yeah, what did you did you have fun? Did you how did you feel about it? Yeah, that's that is the thing. It's like saying you had fun with this movie. I think throughout this movie, I was really enjoying it. I think it was one of those things that I was just like, as it's happening, I'm like, I am just so excited to be watching this movie and kind of seeing where it goes next. Um, by the time it was over, I just was like, I need to decompress and like separate myself for a sure. little bit um, to kind of deal with it. But I, I would say, again, it's hard to say like, I enjoyed this movie, <laughs> but it was like, I, I really had a lot of fun during the movie. Um, and, but then there's a, just a ton to think about and talk about. I'm glad we're, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast. I think there's a lot that we can talk about um, here yeah. for this. Um, well, I will say that with the moment that this movie started, and I do mean like by the very first moment that this movie started, I was so hooked. Like, and as I kept watching the movie, I just thought, I love every single thing about this movie. Every <laughs> single choice that was made, I was thrilled by. Um, and I can list them all. I think particularly what I love the most is this movie's sense of style. I love every color choice, every set design, every costume, music. Um, I think the movie, the plot and the writing is really good, but if you took this exact same plot and maybe even this exact same script, but you put it in the hands of a different director who would make, maybe less interesting, you know, visual choices or had less fun with it or didn't cast it as insanely geniusly as, as this movie is casted. Um, then you have a very different product on your hands. One that maybe is a, a good or okay story, but that doesn't evoke all the things I'm feeling right now. Um, I love, that this movie is like a piece of candy that really invites you in. And then once you're there, you have to like reckon with it. You know what I mean? I love that this movie is like seductive by being so fun and so irresistible. And then once you're there, you're, you're stuck and you have to realize like, okay, now I have to sit with all of these emotions. I have to sit with all of these consequences, not the consequences of mm. watching, but the consequences of these characters. And um, it's a subject matter that I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, and I tend to, I, you know, some of my friends know that like I tend to avoid, or they, they kind of think of it as I tend to avoid films with sexual assault in them. Um, and the truth is, I just try to do that as a blanket because so much sexual assault is portrayed so badly or used so ineffectually in movies and films. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm not interested in rape as like a juicy like tidbit to throw in your TV show or, you know, as a side thing in a movie just to add drama. Um, but I am definitely incredibly interested in 
aren't tackling this subject matter well. Um, and you know, I can acknowledge like it is a difficult subject matter that people are going to like have differing emotions about. And not every piece of art is gonna like make everyone feel fine and dandy about it. I'm okay with it being difficult, but I'm but I what I want is that art that is tackling this subject matter with um an eye towards compassion for women, you know? And um that is what this movie definitely does. And so I was really grateful for it. I loved it so much. Um, yeah, and I'm really excited to talk about plot, but also just a lot of specific choices that were made in the making of this. Um, Lots of yeah. choices. I am very excited to talk about the yeah. choices. This is, so I, I, I want to talk about a couple of things, but this is, what's interesting is this is the first time this has happened to me. So I, I, I end up reading a lot of scripts. And so the blacklist is a place where kind of, um, a group of people put together some of the, like the best scripts of the year that haven't been produced. Um, and so I end up reading a lot of scripts on the blacklist. This is the first time that I've read a script on the blacklist and then the movie has gotten made. So I had mm. already read the script to this movie before I'd seen it without knowing that this was wow. the movie. So, so as I'm watching it, I'm like, a lot of this feels very familiar to me. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't until after I'd finished it that I realized like I have already read this script. Now, I went back and looked at the script and the script is very different from the finished movie. And so I'd love to talk about some oh, of the differences um, in it, which is very interesting to me. But did um, Emerald Fennell but, write the script as well? I believe so. Yes, yeah, she okay. did. Yep. Um, uh, but I think for me, what stands out the most in this movie is the casting. Yes. I think the people in this movie are, are cast so perfectly um, to play against a lot of the expectations that you have about who those people are um, and or perfectly sometimes perfectly into who those, you know, who those people right. are that, that kind of you have in your head based on their past work. And I think that is really exciting to me. And just like the way that they are using your knowledge of um, these people that you've seen before uh, kind of against you um, is beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember us talking about that when the trailer came out and mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's still the case that, when you watch the trailer, and I think we can talk about casting in general without being too spoilery, um, yeah. that, like, almost every guy in this movie that isn't, like, an older, older man um, is a 30 to 40-something guy that we have seen in, like, a beloved sitcom. Um, or, mm -hmm. you know, has done, like, just has played like charming, sweet, funny guys in movie and TV. Um, and you know, it, it, so watching some or all, or, you know, all of these guys feel like a threat, you know what I mean? Because this is a movie yeah. where the movie does a good job at making you feel like women feel all the time, which is that every man is kind of a threat and you don't know who you can trust. And mm -hmm. there's so many guys that you really do want to trust, but you don't know if you can. And the movie really plays with that tone so well by casting these guys that are not menacing, that are not, you know, um, they're not someone who, if you were in a grocery store or a bar or an office, you wouldn't cringe at the sight of them or, you know, worry that for your safety you just wouldn't um 
unless you are a woman who fears kind of all men and yep. that's <laughs> a lot of women. Um, so yeah, I, I think casting is really genius and we can talk more about like this very specific choices for that. Um, but I also just want to say that Carrie Mulligan is like such a star. Like we all, we've already known that that's not news, but she carries this film and she delivers such a great performance. Um, I, I really love her and I love what she does in this movie. Yes. I a hundred percent agree with that. That's exactly, that's, I think that's the perfect thing to say about it. Okay. Well, I know I'm itching to talk about plot details. Yes. So are you ready Let's to go into it. spoilers? Go into spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Let's start at the beginning because I think I read an interview with the director and she was talking about the opening sequence, which is set to the great pop song, um, Boys by Charlie XCX. When that first came on, I was just like, oh, this is yes. perfect. And like you hear that and you see all of the, you know, the the men in button ups and chinos like dancing. And you're just like, oh like, yeah. Butts and crotches and khakis <laughs> kind of thrusting awkwardly yeah. and just a series of them. Um Perfect. the director in the interview I read, the director said, I wanted to give to uh, right off the bat give the audience permission to laugh to like let them know this is a dark comedy like it is okay to laugh throughout this um and so and that really let you do that right off the bat um and it's such a you know like funny take on the way women's bodies are shot in like those scenes right um Mm -hmm. I've been binging the Fast and the Furious movies this past week, and a mainstay of those movies, like, is the ass shot of women, right? Um, at the <laughs> yeah. big race, is like all the butts. And I have like a love hate relationship with that kind of trope. And um, it was really great to see it on display in, yeah, in the in this particular like uniform, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, and the music, everything about it um, was so exciting. I we talked about you know casting these guys and the fact that Adam Brody is like the very first one up. Um, yes, was so perfect because I especially loved that. You know, throughout the film, there's varying levels of nice guys that this movie is like kind of um, skewering, mm-hmm. right? Um, but he's the kind that truly seems progressive, right? That, you know, he's yeah. trying to like, his coworkers are obviously much more sexist than him out in their conversation. He's trying to like make points about like his work and how it's kind of unfair to their female coworker. And, um, you, you have high hopes until you don't anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And just like watching it all fell up, fall apart, like like again, like just the little things that he starts to say that you're just like, oh, please yeah. don't. <laughs> it yeah, well, so well like constructed. It's really my good. favorite detail about that sequence at the beginning is um, 
is her is the uber driver looking at her in his rearview mirror and not Mm -hmm. doing anything and you know what i like about that is that like as an audience we're like come on do something um at the same time you know like i can understand there's a lot of things in this movie where like Maybe some people will say like, oh, but I can have empathy for that character in that situation. And whereas I don't for most of this, you know, but in that (laughs) one instance, I can have empathy for that character in that situation. That's a hard thing to figure out, you know, like these are strangers. Maybe they're a couple. Maybe they, maybe he's act, you know, that's his girlfriend and he's, she's had a lot to drink and she's, he's bringing her home, you know? And yeah. not knowing what to do in that moment, but still making think, the choice not to do anything. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that was really exciting to me after this movie. It was just like, it made me think so much about each of these positions. Mm-hmm. Like, it does a good job of constructing all these scenarios where you're like, all right, if you were that person, would you say anything? Would you right. do anything? If you were this person, would you say anything? Would you do And so it's a really, I think, again, for most, obviously for most of it, very condemning of like, <laughs> like, um, you should, you would, that kind of thing. But like some of these like smaller ones where it's like, yeah, as the Uber driver, would that be a position where you're just like, I benefit of the doubt kind of a yeah. situation. So it's, I, I really loved the thought process. I've, I've seen this movie twice now and I watched it by myself. And then I also watched it with Rebecca and was just like, okay, so now can we just talk yeah. about it? <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so before we talk about more plot, I just want to say like, the way that this movie uses pinks and pastels and does the hair for Carrie Mulligan and makes her not wear like tough girl clothes or like she's not like this girl who like dresses up like um she doesn't like dress slutty at the bar and then in her normal day she's wearing like all black or like biker clothes or you know whatever we normally kind of view as a woman who's out to get men or a woman who's like on a revenge streak or um, Mm -hmm. the fact that she is wearing so many like amazing, like girly sweaters really, really worked for me that like this, um, I don't know, like that these things, the femininity and the lightness and the appreciation for things that are pretty is not um, separate from this rage that sits inside her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think also for me, there's a there's like a childlike quality to a lot of the the stuff that she wears and yeah. does. And not like in a like a like the, their little kid yeah. clothes, but just they're like it feels very childlike and just in general, the way her room is decorated and things like that. Um, it feels like she is kind of regressed. Like she is living in her childhood with Nina, yeah. like trying to get back to that point. Um, and so the way that the whole set and her costumes and everything are kind of built, what feels like built around that kind of mindset work really well without trying to make her like, I guess too actually childlike. Right. But you definitely, like, get that of, like, where she wants to be more than anything is to be a kid with Nina still. Yeah. Um, 
I want to talk about another shot at the beginning that I was like, oh, well, this movie has me. Like, I'm just, I'll marry this movie. I, like, I'm falling in love. <laughs> and that is the shot, the sequence when she's leaving, presumably, Adam Brody's apartment in the morning. And we see the red streaks down her leg. And as it pans up the body, we see that she's eating this, like, hot dog super messily. And that she has ketchup all over her. <laughs> and again, playing with all these like pulpy expectations of what a revenge thriller looks like and kind of bringing that sense of humor, touches like that are what made this film such like a star in my mind. Can we talk about that yeah. real quick? So going into this, I had the expectation that she was uh, killing these yeah. men, like the based on the trailer. Kind of, I just kind of assumed. The trailer kind of implies... Yeah. That she's like harming or doing something to them. Yeah. Um, and so when we kind of get that second one with um, what's his Christopher name? Mintz, uh, Christopher Mintz Ploss. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was kind. It kind of shocked me of just like, oh wait, so she's not actually like doing anything. I mean, she's just like confronting them and then yeah. leaving. Um, that just really shocked me because I did think there was some element of <laughs> um, of that in here. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. I agree with you though. The, the the hot dog thing was truly amazing. That's also something that's not in the script. That's a visual element that I was just like, ah, love. You that. know what I love about the choice to not make her like a serial killer, um, or or someone who's like violent. Um, yeah. I mean, this is. I don't know if we want to talk about the ending yet, but I will just say that like yeah. because she is not violent, she's like definitely like you know impassioned and you know over the top but she's not she's not enacting violent revenge on people the mm-hmm. ending is so much more impactful right as the first real moment of violence we've witnessed and yeah. i think that that was such a smart choice also i think it's like really smart to say like this is a a woman she more than anyone knows what how like dangerous the world is for her right and she knows like what risk she's putting herself in and she knows how like easily overpowered she can be and um and she isn't she's not like an action hero she's not someone who's like trained and learned martial arts and learns how to like fight men she's someone who's using her wits and that is her weapon and she it's proven by the ending which we can talk more about that like when women do try to like get more physical it often does not end well for them and i like that this movie reckons with that reality instead of living in sort of like a fantasy a revenge fantasy of a woman who can like just go and harm any man that she chooses right yeah and yeah whereas like this movie is definitely like a little over the top it's still very pretty much based in reality like there's not anything in this film that like isn't is totally implausible right um and i i appreciate that so much so I think it was a super smart choice to not make this super bloody. I think also it makes um, what? 
I'll, I'll just say right now, I fell for Bo Burnham um, in this yeah. movie. <laughs> I and and so I think it makes what looks like to be her recovery and healing in the middle easier if she's not you know out murdering right. people. That it's like it's like it's much easier for her to come back um, from going out and you know intimidating men than going out and murdering right. yeah because <laughs> men or whatever if we think that bo burnham is a good guy we we also know like okay if she's killing men like he can't be okay with that right and right. so right whereas like yeah we, she could go on to lead a nice normal life and confess to all this to a partner and they'd be understanding yeah 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 so I think I think that is also a really smart because otherwise it'd just be like none of this is believable. I'm not going to be able right. to <laughs> invest in this relationship, and you might not have invested in that relationship, but I invested hard in that relationship, and so uh, was well. Let's talk obviously. about the Bo Burnham of it all. I think I would. Let's. Yes. I'm so excited too. So, Ugh. I think I should start off by saying that I have such deep affection for Bo Burnham as an artist, and mm-hmm. so. Setting that aside, um, I think Bo Burnham is also just, like, super, super crush-worthy. Like, I think since college I've had, like, a big crush on Bo Burnham. And um, I was, when this movie was getting going, especially in that first scene, um, where they have, like, this electric chemistry, um, and it's very, I think, sexy that, like, he drinks that coffee with that she spits in. Um, and like brings it up later on. I think like as a germaphobe, I'm disgusted <laughs> by that. It's <laughs> so funny to me because I mean, what is making out but other than exchanging? Spit? No, I, I get it, I get it. <laughs> but just the sound of her spitting in that cup and everything. Oh, yeah. it was yeah. <laughs> um, so that scene felt electric to me, and I was like, I mean, I had high hopes because the trailer looked good, but I was so happy. I was like, someone is making use of Bo Burnham's charms and making him this romantic lead that I've always thought he would be great at. And Bo Burnham doesn't act in a lot of films. And so this was kind of like also one of his first like big film starring roles, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was thrilled about it. Um, And yet, because like, I'm smart. I know that this is a film about men, like, you know, being dangerous when they're not when they don't look it i was on my guard right were you at mm-hmm. least a little on your guard mm-hmm. at the beginning about him for sure okay yes. great <laughs> i would like to hear that um, yes after after what who did we get we got we got adam brody and christopher i can never Min-plus. say his last name i want to say mise en place um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah then bo burnham walks in and you're like well obviously like he's next right. in line let's you know yeah so i was definitely on on guard <laughs> And but then they, oh, man. So they, they they go on they go on their date. They do their thing, and then you know, showing up at his apartment, kind of a thing. It's like ah, that's the catch. Yeah. You know, it's a, ah, uh, he's not. It's 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 not that great. But then he comes back and apologizes, and no, she I comes assumed, back and apologizes. Or you're right. She comes back and apologizes, and um, he was like, yes, we can take it slow. All of this, I assumed, like an idiot. That I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a story of growth for both yeah. of them. He's going to learn from her. She's going to learn from him. It's just going to be – It's. I didn't think it was going to be like a love story, and I didn't think it was going to turn into a completely different movie at yeah. this point. <laughs> but I was just like, 
what's going to happen now is that she's going to uh it's going to be a movie about mm-hmm. healing so <laughs> it is not a movie about healing that scene where he kind of like you know he i don't think he thinks he's tricking her into coming into her apartment he no. thinks like no, not i'm at trying all. i'm trying so hard to be smooth right yes 100% and she sees it as like oh this is a thing that men do to trick girls to get into their apartment. Like, not say we're going to your apartment and then all of a sudden we're there and the girls feel pressured. So, that scene where she walks away and she's angry and she kicks the trash can, in the moment, I mean, I think it can be read two different ways. At first, before I saw her apologize, or not apologize, she kind of just says, like, I'd still like to go out with you. But, um, before that scene, I thought that the anger was, here. I, I let myself be interested in a guy and he's just like the rest of them. And I'm mad at myself for trusting him. And I'm mad at him for being one of the others, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after I see that she, like, goes back to him, it might have been a little bit of the first. But it also, I think, is a little bit of, like, I'm so mad that the smallest gestures have me on my guard. That, like, I... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that because of what men do in this world... Now I have to think critically about every moment and I have to be suspicious of every man and just anger at the world, you know, which I very, very much relate to. Um, And (laughs) so then I was, you know, hopeful because again, he's so magnetic in this movie. He's so charming. He's so funny and lovable. And every opportunity until the third act he like does and says the right thing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he's a children's doctor for goodness sake and he like is he just seems great and at one point at earlier on i didn't think he was going to attack her like when they go to his apartment i I never thought that that was gonna happen what i was really concerned about what I what I what I was like predicting was she was gonna meet someone that he had sexually assaulted. And she was gonna like in a store or in a restaurant or something, someone was gonna come up to her and be like, I just think you should know that guy you're with, like this happened to me. Um and she's gonna know like, fuck, it's everywhere, right? Um yeah. and then when they start falling in love, I didn't think that was gonna happen. And when they're in bed and they both say that they're in love with each other, that was when I knew that he was at the party. Um, so I, I didn't predict see it coming the whole time, but I saw it coming like kind of right before. And I was like, oh, th- this can't end happily ever after. I can just sense that. And yeah. the way, and he's the kind of guy who probably didn't, assault anyone himself but he's friends with these people and he was in that room because we knew it was like a bunch of guys watching and so when it that does come true and that is like what she sees on the video that is when the movie like takes a turn right yeah and it's what's funny is i would never say bo burnham has like a distinctive voice oh like you're not someone who's like watched every 
comedy special of his. I mean, I just, just, <laughs> just, just like if like I wouldn't say like if you heard Bo Burnham say something, yeah. you'd know it was him. But when you when it, when it happens because you hear the audio, you're immediately like, oh, yeah, that's Bo Burnham, yeah. and it doesn't need to explain it no. to you at all. It just like they do say um, his name at one point, like the character's they, name. They do say his yeah. name. True, true. Um, but it's just like. As that happened, I was like, oh, I guess he does have a very distinctive voice. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I uh, I fell under that trap like a dummy. Um, Re- Rebecca knew the minute she met him. Because at the beginning, he's like, I mean, Al's right. not like, we're not close, but he's like in the group or whatever. Rebecca was immediately like, he was in yeah. the room. He was in the room. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I didn't see any of the signs. And so that, when she watches the video, that, uh, that hit yeah. me hard. That was rough. Yeah. Real quick, while we're on the Bo yes. Burnham stuff, I, I just want to say, how did you feel about the pharmacy scene? Uh, I mean, it's heaven. It's heaven. And I think that's what I like about this movie so much is that, like, even knowing how it ends, I'm still mm-hmm. relishing the beauty and the fun of their romance, right? Like, I agree. I don't, yeah. I mean, it, it. obviously the ending is, you know, really harshens, like, or, you know, really puts in perspective like all the male characters in this movie but mm-hmm. i don't know i still kind of like i still believe in their love you know what i mean if that i don't know if that's yeah. like i think there is a version of this movie not this movie but like there's a version of this story that could have played out that she doesn't watch the video and she stays with him and they stay in love and they're very happy together you know yeah and he p- continues the rest of his adult life to be a pretty decent person and like treats her really well. Okay. And yeah. Um, maybe, and probably even becomes a better person by being in a relationship to her with her. You know, she probably like, he probably absorbs a lot of her like way of thinking and is an even better person. And yet, um, that doesn't excuse any of his choices or behavior at all. I think, you know, this movie, like you mentioned earlier, does such a great job of analyzing the choices of so many different characters that are culpable in, on so many different degrees, like in so many different degrees. And yeah. specifically with his character, like, we have the sickness of him watching a girl get raped in front of a group of people and not doing anything about it or like, you know, remember not probably not even really remembering it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's pretty inexcusable, right? And pretty horrifying. Yeah. Alone, just as its own act. But what I really like and what I think is smart is that this movie then takes all of his choices from then on and really nails him to the cross with all of those as well. Because he has the opportunity right then and there to start trying to do something to make amends in, in whatever slight way he can. And at every opportunity, he chooses not to. And I think that is really what hit me hard about this movie is not to make it about the guy but just like at every moment after that he yeah. fails and you're just like oh my gosh dude this oh guy my gosh we have like fallen in love with yeah yep fallen in love with like mm. i felt as in love with him as you know 
the, the character yeah. of Cassie, the Carrie Mulligan character, fall, swooning, falling for this guy. And to watch him at every moment he that is presented, he acts in his own best interests instead of doing what's right. Yep. Um, and even like when she confronts him and he's terrified and upset, you know, like he immediately resorts to saying something like, Oh, so we won't both won't be doctors. We can both be failures. And yeah. like that, that was such a knowing thing to include that. Like even this guy who has only ever been incredibly loving has that barb waiting for you. You know, and like is ready to like throw that in. I I, I think his, everything they do with his character is the real genius of this film. I think that a lot of the scenes, especially like where with the Adam Brody and the um, Sam Watterson, is that right? Uh, Sam Sam Richardson, sorry, Sam Richardson. Oh yeah, Sam yeah, Richardson yeah. and Christopher Misplance and Adam Brody. Those like you know um, hunting scenes. They feel, yeah. I think they're fine and kind of fun, but they feel a little like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, they feel like a blog post, right? Like, it feels kind of like um, yeah. someone who's like just learning about feminism, making a point about consent. Yeah. They're pretty like surface level. And that's fine mm -hmm. for what they do, for how they function in the movie. But where the movie gets complex is with the Bo Burnham character. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the women also in this movie. Uh, Alison Brie. So, one, I, I do say, when she starts her new plan. Yeah. Um, and we have the numbers that show up on the screen. Um, did that throw you off at all? Because we're like a good ways in the movie and all of a sudden it's going one, two, three. No, I was vibing with it. Okay. Yeah. I loved it. I For some reason that, that popped up and I was like, all right, here we go. This is the path we're yeah. on now. <laughs> loved it. Um, so Allison Breeze first. Um, I was I was a little thrown off by how her scene ended um, when she gave, gives the guy like the money and the room key. I, at that point, I was just like, oh, I do not like this path that she's on. And then she immediately picks up like Dean Walker's daughter and all of that stuff. And then like, so I, I, I was just assuming I was just like, Oh my gosh, she has really gone off the deep end. And now she is the perpetuator of yeah. <laughs> sexual assault on these other people. And I got really worried until, um, she does, she does the reveal, which I love yeah. the reveal, um, which, was great but i just i i just got very nervous through all of those scenes sure. um i don't know if you figured that it was all gonna be fake I think, or whatever i mean i but. think i had hoped and i was i felt pretty confident that like i was just like even though this girl wants revenge i just couldn't see it being in her to like actually let another woman be assaulted like yeah i just don't think that she had that in her and, and that proved to be the case um yeah. Um, but what she does is like, you know, still just still, still pretty evil, pretty terrifying. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I think you could say that like letting Allison Brie think that she's been sexually assaulted is like barely like a touch less bad than being sexually assaulted. You know what I mean? If someone yeah. has that fear and pain and tragedy within them you know how like mm. there's not t a ton of difference than if it had actually happened right yeah and so yeah. like still 
pretty horrifying thing to do to another person. Uh-huh. So that that is like I think with Alison Bree's character, I think that's the moment of true like oh wow, she might be someone that I don't root for at this point or like is really terrifying, right? The scene yeah. with the dean and the daughter. I knew I felt oh, as soon as she was describing that, I was like, there's no way she actually did this to the daughter, you know? And she, we already knew something about a diner, you know? So like, I just, I, I just kind of saw that one coming. I, I just, I knew in my gut, like, she's not going to like let a teen girl get sexually assaulted despite <laughs> her mother. Like, I don't think that she's going to do that. Um, and so because I felt pretty confident in that, I think that scene was really fascinating. Um, I think just the, I mean, again, I think that one was kind of a blend of the kind of basic feminism, sexual uh, consent theory that we have in the scenes with like Adam Brody, right? And the Mm -hmm. complexity of the stuff with Bo Burnham. And it was kind of a blend of those two, right? Um, I just, there's the line that really stood out to me when she said, when Connie Britton's character is like emotional and begging for her daughter's safety and fully reckoning with the pain that she's caused other young women, um, and their families. And Carrie Mulligan just says, I guess it's different when it's someone you love. And that is like the thesis, right? Of, I think kind of this whole movie for me um, is that we all know that sexual assault is in this world and we know how rampant it is, but it's different when it's someone you love. And, um, and I should just say like part of me like relating to this movie so much is that like I have sat with countless friends and strangers, like after they've been assaulted and talked about their assaults and I have people that I deeply love that have been sexually assaulted in a variety of ways so I know what it feels like to be her and be in that position um to have like the people that you love I mean none as quite as dramatic as hers and that like they've ended in what is never said but is implied as a suicide um, um, but yeah, I've been there and it is hard to live in a world where the only people that seem to like really be passionate and care about this are the people who have been directly affected or very closely affected that like, it's not something that people can gain empathy for until it affects someone they love, um, it, you yeah. know, in general. So I thought that that scene was pretty a big standout in the movie because of also Connie Britton is so great, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's definitely one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. yeah. And it made, you know, there's the term nice guy is like uh, definitely something that's being examined, right? And throughout this film and mm-hmm. varying levels. But I real my favorite instance of it is when, she brings up the name Al Monroe and Connie Britton says, Oh, Al, of course I remember him. What a smart, nice guy, you know? And I know. <laughs> you also don't get the sense that like 
Connie Britton, you don't get the sense that she's like trying to cover something. Like he's not like this no, not at all. evil, like serial rapist that like everyone knows about, but everyone's covering for because he's rich. Like you really yeah. do get the sense that she's like, oh, she's probably had lunch with him, really thinks f- fondly of him. And like, how often do we react like that about people? And we don't know what that is doing to someone else, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. That felt so familiar to me because I have been that person to say like, you know, to someone brings up a name of someone I know we have in common be like, Oh, love that person. What a nice guy. Like I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, that scene was really great in both like it's commentary and how good it was at like, terrorizing the characters one thing that i i kept waiting for but not like it didn't come up uh is just like a conversation around like that's just kind of who he is like he's a little like he's a gregarious guy you know he's like you know talks to a lot of women like just like i feel like there's a lot of like excusing other kinds of behavior that then kind of show up later um and i feel like there wasn't a lot of not that it needed to be in there but it was just something i kept kind of expecting um, of just like signs that people could see, but also kind of excused. Um, he didn't. He didn't have any of those. I guess that that kept coming up. You mean Al Monroe, the Al Monroe character? Yeah, or or any of them. I um, and like there 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 wasn't a lot of like her talking to other people about people other than Al Monroe. Um, but I just feel like usually like what what ends up happening is like someone will bring up a concern and then someone will uh, kind of forgive it and right. being like, oh yeah, I mean. Like, usually it's like, you know, this person is being disrespectful to women in this way. And it, and someone says, yes, well, here's, you know, my excuse right. for that. <laughs> well, And I, I didn't I see that happening it here. It happens a little bit when we first see Bo Burnham mention that he's still friends with all those people. That is true. He does kind of say, like, he says something about how, like, Al's kind of an asshole, but he's still kind he's of like, oh, He's like, oh, he's like, no, I get it. Like, when she kind of, like, clearly was like, oh, you're still friends with these people? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. They're, you know, but like deep, like they're, but they're okay. They're, 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 they've grown up. They're good guys. You know, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, And again, and it's coming from a person you really want to trust. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. not coming from the Dean. She does do that as well. But like that sentiment is coming from someone who like, you want to trust their judgment. They seem really smart and like understanding. And like, that's the other thing about the Bo Burnham character is like, not only do you want to trust that he's a good guy, but you want to trust that he can tell who the bad guys are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think of other big scenes I want us to talk about before we get to the ending. Um, I think like, Oh, we got to talk about the lawyer. Mm, Yeah. That scene really threw me for a loop. That was the scene that I think surprised me the most of everything in the movie. Well, because she's she's talked to these people and no one remembers. Right. Like the situation. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, Um, as soon as she's there. Yeah. He he remembers the name Nina. But like you can tell, like, he's not just reckoning with this one case. Like this isn't the one case that has haunted him that this is a career yeah. that he's made and that this path in life is what's haunting mm-hmm. him. Um, I didn't know what to make of her saying, I forgive you, to be honest. 
I still don't know what to make of that and how I feel yeah. about that. I think she couldn't either. I think it was like just watching it, watching it again. So he asks for forgiveness and she kind of surprisingly gives it in the moment. <laughs> um, and then later Bo asks for forgiveness and she's like, absolutely right. not. And so, and so I do think that there's this kind of like, I might have messed up the first time mm. by giving, by, by forgiving right yeah. off the bat. Um, but, but she do, still does send him the package at the end. So maybe, maybe it is just that right. like he showed he did the work, like, you know, well, like, and she forgives him in the moment, but then also she leaves and there's like a kind of menacing looking guy waiting for yeah. her. And he's like, do I go in? And she says no. So she's like, it's not just a in the moment thing. It's, you know ultimately she's like choosing not to enact whatever revenge she had planned yeah. which you know that's it's very vague like what did she have planned for yeah. him you know was it mm-hmm. violent was it not because she hadn't been violent up until that moment um yeah very very intriguing i also really love the scene where she gets the pipe and starts like destroying the truck of the guy who's yelling at her mm-hmm. um because it's like that's that's the first moment where we see her lose it. She's yeah. so that's her first calculated outlet. and focused up until that point, and um, you can tell like this is where her she's like letting the rage out in a way that she had not planned. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I I was a fan of that. Um, oh, um, okay. One, here's the last thing I want to talk about before we talk about the ending is the role of her parents and Nina's mom um, and her relationship with all the parents. I'm so glad that this movie was not about like this woman who like lives alone and her sole focus in life is this one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. that instead it was about a woman who has people that really love and care for her and are dying a little bit inside to see her losing herself to this. Mm -hmm. And that pain um, and love is what, again, makes this movie so much more than just like a pulpy revenge film. Um, Yeah. I think they're all rooting for her to make it, to like to get through and to heal. And the fact that she just can't isn't, is played as a tragedy for this, which is, I think, perfect for what this movie needs. So, and it's just so sad, like (laughs) watching it a second time, watching her conversation with Molly Shannon and with her dad and just like, oh man, like they are just When her dad says like, we loved Nina just like as a daughter and we miss her, but we've also missed you. Like we felt like we've lost you both. Um, I mean, and that is what also of course makes the ending mean so much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so let's talk about the ending. Whew, man, I, I really didn't know what was going to happen. Like when she goes to the cabin, it's, it feels like it feels extremely tense. <laughs> um, but also just like, is now, now that we've had this kind of buildup, is this where she's going to resort to violence? And you kind of have that feeling of just like anything could happen yeah. at this point. Um, and when the door opens and it's Max Greenwood, you're just like, look at this. This is perfect. This is perfect casting. The fun guy who <laughs> you know exactly. As soon as he opens the door, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, she never plays it 
when when she's pretending to be the stripper, she never plays it like like she's having fun or even like sexy in any right. way. It's all strictly like business and I really I really enjoyed that. Like we were not supposed to be having fun seeing right. any of that. Yeah. Um I love the choice that the director made to not show the face of Al Monroe, this, you know, ultimate villain, right? Um, until yeah. the very last moment of it possible. I love mm-hmm. that, like, I think we're all, you know, even though the whole movie is, like, building us towards, like, it could be, it's, like, these nice guys, right? I still couldn't help but my brain create this version of a guy that is slick and douchey and, mm-hmm. like, you know, the president of a fraternity, like just a very specific image from what we've been conditioned throughout movies to view right and from the trailer i knew that both um who is it is it max what is max last max greenwood is it it greenwood oh greenfield greenfield Greenfield. i knew that both chris lowell and max greenfield were in this were in the trailer so i was anticipating both of their appearances and I kind of thought it was going to be Max Greenfield because Max Greenfield yep. has can be more sinister looking, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's played mm-hmm. characters that have been, I mean, he's played Schmidt who is like a douchey character. He's lovable, but like yeah. there's inherent douchiness to that character. Right. And so he's played that before. And um, I really thought that that was going to be him and it is so smart for them to cast Chris Lowell as the ultimate villain of this movie. Yep. yep. Did you watch Veronica Mars? Yes. Okay. So that was my first introduction to Chris. Actually, no, that's not right. My first introduction to Chris Lowell was when he was like a love interest on private practice, the Grey's Anatomy spinoff. Oh, it was like about like all these doctors and he played like the hot surfer receptionist who was like in love with an older woman doctor, you know? And it was like very fun. He was like the yeah. young guy that was very sexy, right? And then, but most people I think know him from Veronica Mars. And, you know, we talked about how the casting is so smart and that these types of guys and the, the characters they played. But also with Chris Lowell, that the season of Veronica Mars that he's in is about Veronica Mars tracking down a serial rapist. And I'm not here to condemn or criticize Veronica Mars because I loved that show (laughs) and it took place in a different time, you know? So like, I think it was doing great for what it was doing, but that season, again, she's tracking down a serial rapist who is like, kind of like a perfect vision of what our boogeyman rapist looks like, right? It's like a guy who's like, drugging girls at at like frat and sorority parties and then raping them and then shaving their heads as like a sign that like she this is someone who I've raped and it's very much like you know scary and also like a serial killer right Mm -hmm. Chris Lowell plays her really sweet boyfriend in in the season or guy guy that has a crush on her (laughs) and then becomes her boyfriend Mm -hmm. and I think putting a spin on all of that and saying like this sweet guy is no the ultimate villain of this movie 
and he's not the serial rapist that shaves women's heads and is like leaving clues and you know he's a guy that a lot of people love and he doesn't seem to like want the stripper he's like in love with his wife and um probably and a doctor and he is the person who committed the atrocity that she has been avenging this entire film and then goes on to enact the only piece of violence that we uh, of true like big violence that we witness in the movie which was hard to watch that was (laughs) i think it lasted so long so purposefully yeah for sure and so I'd like to hear what your thoughts were during that sequence because um, when he starts to like smother her and it goes on for so long, you know, obviously I can't help, but there is a major part of me watching that that's hoping that she is going to have some clever yeah. way of getting out of it. Yeah. I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. And the longer it went on, the more I was just like, oh my gosh, no, this is. This is not how this ends. So I, yeah. And I think even after the fact, even like in the morning when Max Greenfield shows up and you're just like, is this, is this real? Is this like actually happening? And it's, I don't know. It's just devastating. I think, I think we had the expectation that she, again, this was a revenge movie. She's enacting revenge and that she will get it. And so the fact that she dies, I think really threw me for a loop for the next like five minutes and even the part where they're just like talking in the room um and i don't know it was it just built to this moment where i was just like this is this is it and then she doesn't get it um and i think that there's also a part of me that like sorry my email's going off um there's also a part of me that (laughs) again in in admittance like because i've probably been watching so many fast and furious movies lately where like a lot of people (laughs) seem dead but they're not actually dead um there was we never see her face like and Mm -hmm. so like like did she come up with some clever way like where they think she's dead but she's not or like (laughs) and like you know it's not true like you know that that didn't happen because you you watched her be killed but at the same time you're hoping right that in it a different version of this movie, she would have been so clever that she would have figured a way to escape this or yeah. fake her way out of it. Um, she's spent the whole movie faking being drunk. Maybe she's faking being dead. And um, I think the genius of this movie is that they don't try to pull that trick. They don't try to pull it at all. And um, that like another scene that, um, What's the scene that really? Uh, I, I don't like this phrase. I don't like the phrase "made it her death worth it," but like made made <laughs> that's the wrong choice of words. That made like that decision, like I think the right decision yeah. for the film was that scene where both of them are on the bed and they're talking it through, right? And yeah. yep, the Max Greenfield character is just immediately consoling and excusing truly like the worst thing someone could do right is kill another person yeah and the way that that conversation plays out to just illustrate that 
this is the way that men excuse their behavior and that this is the way that they feel okay about it. This is the way that they help each other through it. And this is what happens. I think that conversation was a really important thing to include. Yeah. So then the movie ends on this really tragic, dark note, right? Like there's not really (laughs) any hope in the movie at the end. Her parents are left probably devastated. Her love turns out to be sort of a bad guy that makes all the wrong calls and he's going to be haunted for the rest of his life. He didn't have, he never had any, he never took any opportunity to avenge her death or, you know, make things right in any way. He didn't learn, (laughs) you know, and still went to Um, the wedding, still went to the wedding. Yeah. And so, and these men, you know, they're arrested, but like, uh, we know what happens to rich men who are arrested for crimes against women. Like yeah. we, we know that that probably won't stick or be as severe of consequences as we think it should. And yeah. And it just ends on a really grim note. And I think the, that ending can be really hard for people to stomach. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Did you watch I May Destroy You, the TV series that came out this year? No, I did not. So I did, and it's amazing. And obviously it tackles the subject matter of sexual assault and reckoning. And, you know, neither of these movies really show, like, the main assault that is being reckoned with. Or this movie and that show doesn't really show that as much. Um, Yeah. But they're, it's real. It's not about a woman being assaulted. It's about a woman reckoning with assault, right? Both of these mm-hmm. um, projects are. I May Destroy You. I'm not going to spoil it, but I will just say it ends on a much more hopeful note <laughs> okay, <laughs> than this does. It, Good. She spends a whole season reckoning with her assault and the main character in I May Destroy You. And by the end of it, reckons with it and decides to move on with her life, you know? And this character does not have that opportunity. And I think there are some... Vulture did a really great piece where they compared the two of these endings. And they didn't outright say it, but the the tone of the piece kind of implied that, like, the author preferred the complexity of the hopefulness of my, I may destroy you. Um, because I do think that having hope in the face of this subject matter is a complex thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved that about, I may destroy you. Um, but what I will say about this movie is I love that this year we got both stories with different endings because there are days when I feel hopeful and there are days when <laughs> I feel none. And this movie provided that outlet for like, yeah, there are a, for a lot of women, there are, is no happy ending. There is no hopeful moving on. There is not even really that satisfying of a revenge. Um, and I like that this movie reckoned with that yeah Mm -hmm. and i think 
we get that in uh male driven situations a lot more of like you can't have a hopeful ending right. or you can have the sadness of them kind of succumbing to um not being able to move on um and move on's the wrong word but you know you know what i mean of just like <laughs> not being able to to choose yeah. healing um and i think that yeah we get that all the time from from male driven situations and that with the the fact that i feel like the default for women is no, 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 the ending has to be them choosing to move forward right. with their life. And so the fact that we did get this, I think, is really exciting. Um, it's extremely sad, but also <laughs> um, yeah. good to see. Um, I do want to talk about two things in the yes, script please. that are very different um, from the movie. And one is the the wedding. Um, in the script... It, it ends so abrupt. I love the movie ending way better than the script ending. Um, in the script ending, she just sends out... He he gets the text message that's basically like a scheduled mess- message. And all it is is the video attachment. Mm. And then you hear everybody else's phones going off. And everybody at the wedding gets the video yeah. attachment. And yeah. that's the end. Um, nobody gets arrested. Nothing happens. It's just everybody gets the video attachment. Right. And that's the end. Um, I do love getting to see kind of everything else play out of like her sending stuff to the lawyer and um you know the police showing up and so like you can tell like more is coming but it just gives us a little bit more than just the video yeah and i like the idea like you know he says in her confrontation with her like i don't know if i can live with this thing hanging over me right yes yeah and i like that with this ending that will live with him his whole life. Not only will he be implicated, you know, cause mm-hmm. he doesn't know it in that moment. He doesn't know what is being done with the video. Um, right. But he can, he probably has a good guess. And, yeah. um, but also like the scheduled text, like mm-hmm. he'll, he, I bet he would live, that character would live his whole life. Not knowing if another text is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a touch that like, made me very emotional was you know when we in the or at the when she's the stripper we see that the necklace she wears says nina on it yeah and to see at the very end her give laverne cox's character the necklace that says cassie yep and to know that like this is a cycle the passing it on continue you know Mm -hmm. um that really got me and um, I think Laverne Cox is really great in this movie. I, I like. Yeah, I really sure. like what they did with her character, and I will just say, like, I I always wish there was more. You know, like it's it mm-hmm. it's hard when the, like this is kind of a character study on one person to like you know flesh out every single side character. Mm-hmm. But I loved every moment that she was in this film. So she's a bigger part of the script, and they're... interesting. So there, there's actually like a whole scene of her going in, like interviewing for the corporate job. And like, it's mm. more about that way of moving on. The pharmacy scene is not in the script. Um, <laughs> that whole yeah. montage, not in the script. Um, and it's more about her moving on with her life in that direction than in the Bo direction. And I think it's a good choice to go the, the Bo Burnham yeah. direction um, and kind of lean into yeah. that. So it, it makes sense, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this is just gonna be a movie that's gonna stick with me for a long time. Um, I, I, while I was watching it, I loved every single choice that was made. Um, 
and then I went to bed and couldn't stop thinking about it, both critically and adoringly, you know? So yeah. I really yeah. am excited to watch it for a second time and see what a second viewing does to me. I think, yeah, I am very curious to hear about your second time. Because yeah. I, I thought it was really... When did you watch this? Last night. Okay, so so this is, this is fresh. Yeah. Yeah, I think the second watch, um, it made me... <laughs> I paid more attention to just the the music and the feelings that I was feeling throughout and like, okay, where, where is this really like pushing yeah. in this direction? And I realized something is that they don't actually, you don't know it's Nina. Like they don't specifically mention Nina until she's in Dean Walker's office. And that's the first time that you realize, not realize, but that's the first time that they actually say, um, the name, what happened to, what happened to Nina? I think somebody mentions Nina of just like she dropped out with her mom mentions that she dropped out with Nina, but they, nobody ever says that something happened well, and to then there's the Allison until Brie Dean also. Walker's. Yeah. 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 So, so there's definitely like, you understand, you get the feeling and stuff like that. I just, I just think it's so, so great to just let the trust that the audience right. will pick it up and that we don't actually have to say anything yeah. about this until like halfway right. through the movie. Like, the audience knows totally. the audience gets it um but i think for in my head i was just like yeah they mentioned that right off the bat right. they don't you just you just intuit it based off everything else that's going on which is just yeah so smart that just reminded really me good. of one I'm of my just, favorite yeah. shots in the film which is her sitting in her dark bedroom and it like at first you just see her face and it's like lit up and then dark and lit up and dark and it's like this pulsing and yeah you see, right and, and it seems like this like otherworldly artistic choice. And then we see that it is her screensaver of the photos of the two of them lighting up on her computer and going dark. And, and the, that's what it's touches like that. And like the ketchup throughout the film that are like, we're, we're going to make really interesting visual choices and then grounded in reality. Still. I loved mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I'm, I would, immediately give her a big budget movie yes <laughs> like, like if i like if i were an executive and i saw this i would be like give her lots of money to make kind of whatever she wants yeah. um because she can she can do it like the i don't know how big the script or this uh the budget was on this i'm sure it was pretty small but right. um the amount that she was able to do with what little she had is extremely impressive yeah absolutely um well, I'm sure I'll have more thoughts as time goes on, but that is all I have for today. Um, do you have anything else? Same. All right. That's it. Well, Lucas, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Thanks for listening. Adios. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yes. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.